It's the Not So Bon Voyage podcast, episode double double twenty. And on this episode, we've got some not so bon voyages of our own because our van travels through Canada have been giving us quite a lot of grief. We also talk about biting dolphins and easily the most crazy plane survival story you've ever heard. Stay tuned. This is your captain speaking. Let's go. And then the train got lost. How does the train get lost when it's on rail? I just want to get out there in the wild. Well, it was in the itinerary. I mean, adventure, it's calling. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been excellent. Good day. Ahoy. Ahoy. I thought oh. it's good day. I think we mix it up. I think that's okay. I think we should say g'day, eh? Because we're in Canada. Eh? And you know you're in Canada because you are an avid voyager and you've been tuning in every week. And so you would know that we're already in Canada. Yeah, we have been in Canada for like four weeks. Four weeks. And you guys are in for a special treat today because this is the first time that the Not So Bon Voyage podcast has been recorded in the van. We are literally in our van right now, you guys, recording from our van studio. We are in a place called Clearwater, which is in British Columbia in Canada. We're making our way across to Jasper, and we are crammed into our uh, into our jam. We just had uh, peanut butter and jam sandwiches. We're jammed in the van. We're jammed in the van. We are wet. We are tired. We are absolutely <laughs> over it, and yet we know that this is a day late, and it's not a buck short. But we are getting at episode 20 because fucking hell, it's double-double figures. We had a little bit of a not-so-bon voyage today. We wanted to go see a waterfall. Just today, we've had not-so-bon voyages for the last three days in the van. That's true. We have been driving from Vancouver to Jasper, and we've had a couple not-so-bon voyages. Took off on Friday. It's pissing down with rain, and about a couple of hours into the trip, bang, the windscreen wipers, which have been giving us grief anyway, snap and stop working. Yes, they did. Which, uh, yes, and you really, you don't, you really underestimate your windshield wipers because they're such a small part of your car, yet if they stop working in the rain, your whole car is useless because you can't see anything, and that's what happened to us. So that was a lot of drama. We were on the side of the road, pulling the car apart, trying to fix them, and it's just been a couple of dramas day after day, and today included. Christine, what happened today? Today, we pulled up to a parking lot to go see a waterfall, and it is very snowy here. It is super snowy, and a lot of the roads, they just haven't de-snowed. They haven't done... They haven't been de-snowed. Like, the visitor center is just full of snow. Like Some you can't of the roads get to haven't it. been plowed. They have not been plowed. They really need to get plowed. So we need to alert we need the to Royal Mountain Mounties or whatever they're called, the guys on the horses, to come plow those uh, roads because yes, they're show crazy. Up with your horse and cart and plow and please, please plow, plow the roads. But to make a long story short, we got stuck. We could not get out of the icy, snowy parking lot. Had to learn how to use our snow chains for the first time, first time. in the snow. I don't think that's what you're supposed to do. And then we were like, oh, well, we have to go see this waterfall now that we've spent half an hour getting ourselves unstuck. Didn't realize it was a very snowy one-hour hike to this waterfall. And when we got there, the viewing platform was closed, so we couldn't even barely see it. It has been a day, yet here we are, Voyagers. We're not here, We're not complaining too much. We're not complaining. We're not it's complaining. still beautiful. It is beautiful. It's just been a long day. It's been a long day. 
and we thought we just need to get this this episode out because we need to tell some fun, funny, crazy stories. We actually need to tell some stories about other people who have had a not so bon voyage because I feel like the last couple of days we've been drowning in them with this van and with the snow and all the trouble with that. So we need to feel better about ourselves by telling someone else a story where shit went wrong. Well, I tell I will tell you my story is going to make our day today feel like going to something really easy. Disneyland? Going to Disneyland. And not on acid. Not on acid. That's true. Well, I can't wait to hear that because honestly, it, it has been a tough day, Voyages. We're just going to level with you. Not all days are like beautiful Instagram pictures. There are days that are tough. And today was a beautiful picture and it was also tough. Yes, it was the <laughs> The double whammy. It's a double whammy. All right, so that's enough of our travel update. The next time you hear from us, we will be in a house in Edmonton, so we won't be in our van. So if you hear trucks going past, that's because we're on the side of the road in a small street trying to find a quiet area. And, you know, them's the breaks, kids. This is just what you get this week. It's episode 20, Double Double Figures, and we're excited to be here. Hey, before we get started... I wanted to just do a little quick coronavirus update because I spoke briefly about it last week. Actually, no, well, not briefly. I told you about it last week, and I had a little story to do with it. And we had some people engage with us about the coronavirus and ask us questions. And people were like, oh, wow, that's so interesting. So I just wanted to give an update because everybody is still going corona crazy. And, well, this is actually kind of depressing, but there's more than (laughs) 800 people dead now. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. it's up from 400 last week. Uh, the amount of people that's been affected is also doubled. It seems to be doubling each week, which means eventually it will get everyone. But I feel like they're kind of getting on top of it as well. I hope so because I'm feeling sick. I really hope I don't have coronavirus. If you have coronavirus, I that means don't I've have got time coronavirus and we do not have time for that. We have to travel across to Edmonton. We have to get to Edmonton, Corona. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you, man. It is now more deadly than SARS, uh, but the death rate is very low. It's only Good. like 2%. Oh, that's so, easy. statistically, yeah. Pretty much the only travel tip I would give you for now is stay away from Wuhan, China. If okay. If you can help it. Otherwise, <laughs> I think everybody's probably going to be okay. Okay. That's it. Well, I have a little update from last week when you were telling us about the cruise ship that was being tested for coronavirus. They thought there might be coronavirus on board. Yes, there was the 7,000 passengers just off the port of some very long Italian name near Rome, and they got stuck there for all day. Well, there are more corona cruises going around. That sounds and awesome. Corona cruise? I'd love to go on a corona cruise. Yeah, if it's Drink a beer Drink all corona. the coronas you can. That sounds amazing. It actually sounds like a corona commercial. So there is another cruise ship with more than 3,000 people on board, and they are stuck in Yokohama. Yokohama. Sorry. Yokohama. They are stuck in Yokohama, Japan, after dozens of people on board tested positive for the coronavirus. Oh. So this isn't like even just maybe people have the coronavirus. No, they've tested positive. Okay. So. CR positive. They are they are corona positive. It's actually gotten up to 64 people on board who have tested positive for coronavirus. They are being quarantined. Nobody's allowed to leave the ship. The passengers have to stay in their cabins. They're only allowed out for about an hour and a half per day. 
but they have to wear masks all the time, and they have to stay one meter away from each other. I would not want to go outside my room. If I had, if I was on a cruise ship and 64 people had coronavirus, I'd be staying in my room. I'd be jumping overboard. Yeah, I know. Seriously, I'd swim ashore. Well, apparently one couple has uh, reached out to Donald Trump and asked him to please send government planes to pick them up and get them off the ship. Oh, sure. No worries. Hey, Donald Trump, while you're there, come and get us out of Clearwater, Canada, because it's freezing here and my feet are wet and I'd just love to go home and have a nice warm bath, please. Yeah, that'd be great. What's up? And I think Christine's got corona, so I'm going to have to quarantine her in the van. Oh, no. So that's my little corona update. All right. Hmm. So it could be worse. We could yeah. be on that cruise ship, which would suck. Well, if you have coronavirus, let us know. It'd be interesting to know if somebody had coronavirus that was listening. That would be extremely interesting to get a personal insight into what it's like. Hmm. I'm sure it's not very nice. I'm sure. So we're going to keep chugging along because we do have some great stories, even though we are battling it over here. We do have some great stories today. I am starting with a pretty a relatively short, medium-sized story because I know Christine's got a whopper today. It's an absolute beauty. And my story today actually comes from somebody that we know, Christine. It comes from a travel blogging buddy called Ma at Once in a Lifetime Journeys. Ooh, Do you know okay. Ma, Christine? I do know Ma. Yes, you do. We met Ma back in 2015, and you saw her more recently. Yes, I did. I saw her in Sri Lanka. Hey, Ma. Hey, Ma. What's up? So Ma is a long-term traveler now, but all travelers have to start with their first trip. So this story is going back to 2001. That is a long time ago. That's almost 20 years. Mm. So Ma is in university. She's working away as a student, and she's in the middle of her studies, and she's ready to explore the world and take a trip and probably just get out of university for a while and go and see the world. So organized by some fellow students, Ma signs up for a trip to Cuba. Viva Cuba! Now, remember, this is back in 2001, so Cuba is nowhere near where it is now. Now, we went in 2013, and then we went back in 2016, and we saw a massive difference. Yes, we did. So this is 2001. So this is before it's even trendy to go. Well, yeah, way before. Before Instagram. Before everything. Yeah, before Facebook. Whoa, there was a world before Instagram and Facebook? I know, it's crazy to think about. But Cuba apparently is not an unknown spot for Spanish travelers, which is where Mara's from. So Cuba apparently is one of the places that was advertised on brochures and all-inclusive hotels and one of those sort of holiday destinations for, for Spaniards to go to. So Mara thought, yep. Great. Cuba sounds awesome. And so she's off to Cuba. And it is a country that is truly frozen in time. And it's one of our favorite places to visit. She's off exploring. She spends a few days in the capital in Havana, which is, I mean, there's so many things to do in Havana. It's hot. It's humid. It's sexy. There's salsa. There's there's lots of things going on. And then they go to Veradero, which is a couple of hours outside of Havana. It's a peninsula. It's full of hotels. Mm-hmm. Holidays go there. It's got beautiful Caribbean beaches and white sand. And it's a really nice spot to go to. So they go to Veradero. And while she's kicking back in an all-inclusive hotel, Ma and her buddies decide to book a day tour to swim with dolphins. Okay. Now, remember, this is 2001. So this is pre-travel blogs. This is pre-Instagram, Facebook, and it's pre pretty much the information era of travel. So it's before all the things we know now about responsible tourism and animal welfare. So Ma acknowledges, so I just want to give a little disclaimer, 
that Mara acknowledges that this wasn't a sustainable option. And she notes, even at the time, she felt like something was terribly wrong with the tour. But that's life. We live and we learn. And we know now that very few inter- animal interactions are actually sustainable, which is a big focus of our travel blog. If you want to know more, you can check that out at Don't Forget to Move. But for the sake of this story, I just want to acknowledge that Ma understood. She understands now that swimming with dolphins is not a great activity to do and you shouldn't do it. But 20 years ago, it was a very different era. So moving on. They're on the boat. And they're cruising the Caribbean waters, snorkeling and having a good time. Then they make it to a fenced-off area in the ocean where wild dolphins are kept. So it's kind oh, of like that's terrible. a fenced-off, pretty much like in the middle of the ocean. It's a high-fenced area, so they can't do a flipper and, and or freewheeling and jump out. And it's this fenced-off area. and They're in there permanently? Yeah, it's like a sea prison. Oh, terrible. Yeah. I yeah. hate this. So they got off the boat and into the fenced area, and there was a chance to swim with the dolphins. There were trainers there, and the dolphins were trained to swim with you, maybe even sneak up and give you a little little peck on the cheek. So everyone lines up on the fence, and they're getting ready to jump into the water, the fenced-in area where the dolphins are, and Ma, ever the adventurer, goes first. She puts her hands up and goes, yep, I'll go, I'll jump in first. And some of her other friends are maybe a little bit scared or a bit timid. So Ma jumps in the water, bang, she's swimming around, and she's waiting in there, And she's swimming around and she sees a dolphin. She looks down through the super clear water and she sees a dolphin is swimming underneath her. And she's like, whoa, this is incredible. What an amazing experience. There's a dolphin right there. Hell yeah. Dolphins. Yeah. Dolphins. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. And then this dolphin makes a beeline for her, mouth open to give her a kiss. Yay, dolphins. Mouth open? Is it open mouth kiss? And then the dolphin swims right up to her and bites her on the (gasps) foot. Oh, it bit her? A dolphin bit her on the foot. Ouch. That yes. sounds really painful. Completely unexpecting it. And in shock that a dolphin bit her, she also didn't realize it at first. But then she starts screaming. And she's panicking and the staff are panicking. And then Ma swims back to the boat. And they're like, what the fuck is going on? A dolphin bit me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the staff are completely unprepared. So this is, I mean, Cuba is pretty unresourceful as it is. And 20 years ago, you know, they don't have, have access to a lot of medical equipment, even though they have great doctors. And maybe they're, they're not really expecting a dolphin to bite a tourist. So mm-hmm. they get back. The staff are unprepared. They've got nothing to clean the wound except... Alcohol. Havana Club rum, uh, which they have... pour on her foot. So Havana Club oh rum is God. the rum of Cuba. So they pour this on her foot to clean the wound. And luckily, the dolphin only gave her a bit of a nip. But with its sharp teeth, it was still able to leave a, a nice little mark on her foot. And I think Ma was said that the, the wound didn't probably didn't heal as well as it could have, given that it was cleaned out with uh, rum. And also she spent oh the next few days God. cruising on the beach and swimming in the water and that. But she still has a scar on her foot 20 years later. Wow, that's crazy. So it, it, did it break skin then? Yeah, it must have. Do, can dolphins be rabid? Mm, I don't think so. That's good. That would be seeing a rabbit would dolphin would be thing. really scary. I mean, you wouldn't, be able to, you wouldn't be able to tell if they were frothing at the mouth because it'd be underwater. That's true. And if it's squealing, it's like, oh well, it's just a dolphin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I bit her on the foot, and she's still got a scar. Uh, a scar. That is banana. So she has two travel takeaways to share with our voyagers today. One is that when you're traveling, you should always remember to bring some basic medical gear in case a dolphin bites you. Or other travel mishaps. Good point. So bring some band-aids or plasters, as some people call them. 
and maybe just something to clean a cut other than rum. Although, I mean, you could bring rum, I guess. I mean, what's the difference between that and rubbing alcohol besides uh, all of the sugar? Uh, well, rubbing alcohol is a lot higher alcohol level. Yeah. So I think it burns out the bacteria more. Mm. I don't know. Okay. It's not a medical podcast, Christine. I thought it was a medical. Oh, no, it's a law podcast. It's a law podcast. And it's uh, it's also uh, maritime law. Yes, and maritime bird law. law. And bird law. And class action lawsuits, yeah, obviously. of course. Obviously. obviously. And she also had one more point to share. She says that karma is a bitch and wildlife is best left wild and untouched. Amen. That is a great takeaway. The dolphin got theirs in the end. Yes. The dolphin was like, you do not come in my water, bitch. Yeah. So just wrapping up that story, I just want to point out again that Ma does acknowledge that this is not a very sustainable activity. And we do completely 100% agree with that sentiment that you should not swim with dolphins and you should probably not muck around with wild animals because chances are if they're wild and you're interacting with them, they're going to bite you. Well, yeah, exactly. Or they're not in a very good condition and they're not being looked after properly because wild animals should be wild. Especially if they're in a sea prison, which sounds just like the most depressing thing I've ever heard of. Yes. Don't go to SeaWorld. Don't swim with dolphins. Don't ride elephants. Don't take selfies with tigers. And continue. The list goes on and on and on. Don't be a dick. You know what's kind of... Love you. You know what's sad? I'm just thinking about uh, sea life. You remember Free Willy, obviously. Amazing movie movie from the 90s. in a long time. It's excellent. If you haven't seen it, it's about this boy... Who sees this orca in a like a Sea World kind of situation, and he eventually frees the whale, Willie. But the sad thing about Can that is, I just is, say one thing quickly. Yes. Why would you name the dolph- the whale Willie when you have so many other names that you could name it? It could be called Henry, and it could be called Free Henry, and they have to call it Free Willie. Oh, because like Willie, yeah, like, like a Willie, doodle, like like a pee pee, yeah, like a penis. Free your penis. Free the penis. Maybe I mean, it was uh, it was subliminal messaging. I seriously for think nudists. So. <laughs> free free Willy. Yeah. A little known fact: message. the screenwriter of Free Willy was actually a massive nudist. Mm, he was a massive nudist. Um, no, what I was going to say about that is the whole movie is about freeing this doll, or sorry, freeing this orca from captivity because it wants to be free. But that orca actually had to be in the movie and be captive for the movie. And I'm sure before in its life and after in its life. So how hypocritical is that movie? I actually feel like that, um, that Keanu Reeves gif right now where he's like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. That's meta. Thank you. That's just it's some a very food good for thought about sea life. Think about it. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Well, that was hilarious. That's a very funny story. Thank you very much, Ma, for sending in your story. That is Ma. And we're going to put a link so you can check out her travel blog and her Instagram because she's got some great content. That's Ma at Once in a Lifetime Journeys. Thank you for sending in the story. If you, you want Mar. your story to be read on the podcast or if you've got a tale to tell, get in contact with us on Instagram at NotSoBonVoyage. We have a form that we can send you, or you can just go straight to NotSoBonVoyage.com slash submit, and you can send us in your story. And if it's good enough, we'll read it on the podcast and give you a shout out. It's a fun form. It's, it's a not fun like form. a tax form. <laughs> no, no, we won't ask you for your social security number. We just want the deets on your story so we can retell it. And you can get the glory. You can be like, yeah. Yeah, you, and you can also become a first-class voyager. Yeah. Doot, doot. Doot, doot. Well, is it a train or is it a plane? It's a ship. Oh. I thought we were running a ship. Yeah. 
know. It's a vehicle. That's what we're doing. Right now, we're in a van. Yeah, we're in a van. We're switching things up. I feel like a third class van dweller right now. Seriously. Below third class. Oh, God. We've got to get through this podcast so we can get some food and get warm. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready for my main story? I cannot wait for it to be over. I mean, to hear about it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) No, guys. Hey, hey. I'm talking to all you guys right now. Keep the podcast on. Don't turn it off. This is a really good story. This is a very good story. Well, actually, I don't know anything about it because that is the format. But just listen to the podcast and let's do it. I think this is one of the most amazing stories we've told on this podcast. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay, I'm bringing it it back. I'm bringing it on. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing bringing it on. Uh, Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. What was the the sequel of that movie? Bring it on again or something? Yeah. Okay, so this Last is chance, bring it on. This, three. Yes. This is the story of Julian Koepke. Oh, I like the sound of this guy. It's a woman. Julianne. Oh, Sorry, I said okay. Julian. Julianne Koepke. I got very excited that this story is going to be about my namesake. It is not about your namesake. It's about the female part of it. Female, the female equivalent. Parts, the female parts of me. Yeah, this is your female this is alter my ego. Okay. <laughs> I actually might not be saying the last name right, so we're going to go with Julianne for the rest of the time. I'm telling the story. Julianne. Uh, So Julianne was born in Lima on October 10th, 1954. Capital of Peru. Great place. Yes. Sorry. That's in Peru, if you didn't know. Lima, Peru. Her parents are German zoologists, and they had moved to Peru to study the Peruvian wildlife. Doesn't sound like any better place to go. On December 23rd of 1971, Julianne is 17, and she's just received her high school diploma. December 23rd, okay? So the next day, Christmas Eve, December 24th, you yep. may know about that date. Yep. If you're familiar with calendars, if you'll you're know. Familiar. And you know that the next day is the Christmas. 25th. So on Christmas Eve, her Julianne and her mother are boarding Lanza Flight 508, traveling from Lima to Pool Pool Culpa to visit her father, who is studying the rainforest there. Pucalpa is an eastern city in the Amazon, and they are going to be spending Christmas with him in the rainforest studying animals. A very Peruvian Christmas to you two. Yes, exactly. A very Feliz Navidad. The flight is only an hour long. Julianne liked flying, but her mother was a bit nervous. About halfway through the flight, the clouds around them are growing dark and the turbulence starts to get really bad. So they've hit a thunderstorm. So it's like super bouncy, crazy. The plane was surrounded by dark clouds. Like it's just all dark. And then all of a sudden they see a flash of white light on the right side of the plane. So obviously a lightning bolt. Well, I don't know if that's obvious, but that's what it was. (laughs) Obviously it was a whopper. So the lightning strikes the plane. It actually makes contact, hits the plane. It's later discovered that one of the fuel tanks had been hit by the bolt of lightning and it tore the right wing off. Yeah, so it's pretty gnarly. The plane instantly goes into a nosedive. As they're going down, people are screaming. There's Christmas presents flying all around the cabin. Sandwiches, drinks are flying around. (laughs) Sandwiches. Everything's flying. I love sandwiches, so, you know. Save the sandwiches. Save the sandwiches. Julianne's mother turns to her daughter and says... Save the sandwiches. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She says, now it's all over. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Cheers. 
So every article I read about this said the same thing was that as they were going down, quote, the plane broke into pieces midair, which is pretty crazy. So the right wing has been turned off. Right wing has been torn off. And the rest of the plane is just basically breaking apart. Okay, so they fucked. So all of this is from Julianne's perspective. So she thinks at this point she has lost consciousness, but she comes to midair, still strapped into into her seat, but now it's broken free from the plane. So she's just free-falling in a seat. She is free-falling through the air, strapped to her seat, completely separate from the plane. Absolute ride of a lifetime. She says she can remember seeing the forest spinning beneath her. Okay. How high Are up were they? Are you with me? Yeah, I'm up, I just I'm picturing it and I'm just picturing her just going, whoa. Well, she's going in and out of consciousness, apparently. Well, is that to do with the air pressure or the... That could be, or it could be your body just shutting down and being like, you don't need to see this. Yeah. You know, like when you get really drunk and you black out and your body's like, I'll just, I'll like, don't worry about this. Just wake up tomorrow. Let me take some cruise control. I'll take care of this from now on. Total cruise control. So she's going in and out of consciousness. She comes to on the ground in the middle of the jungle. She's wet and muddy. She crawls behind the th- so she so it's basically a three seat bench. You know, wait, like wait, wait. three seats. How does she land? She okay. Just to give you some perspective, she has survived a three kilometer or two mile fall from the plane crash. What? Yes. That is insane. Yeah. Three kilometers. Three kilometers. That's What did I say, kilo? Kilos. No, I'm just trying to work out how many feet that is. Three kilometers slash two miles. Okay. Not quite. Yeah. Sort of. I don't know anything about (laughs) feet. Well, I I should know about feet, but I'm not sure. That's like almost 10,000 feet. Yeah. I mean, it was a plane. Yeah. But how does she survive? This is a great question. So she has is still strapped to her three-seat bench, right? So it's like three seats. She's in the middle, I think. Oh, she got middle seat, sucker. She got middle seat, but that could be what saved her. I don't know. She had her seatbelt on, obviously. Was her mom sit, sat next to her? Her mom was sat next to her. Okay, so she's gone. So she the next morning, she opens her eyes and sees these giant Amazonian trees above her. She looks at the bench seat, and her mother's seat is empty, and oh. she doesn't see anybody else. So is she she's, on top of the trees? No, no, she's under the trees. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant no, she no. landed no, on no, the top no. of the trees. I'm like, I that... said above her. She's looking I, okay. up, and she sees just all these she was huge above trees. Them. Imagine if she landed on the top of the trees. That would be crazy. That'd be awesome. But at that point, it's like not that much farther to fall, you know. If you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so she is. In the Amazon, she doesn't see anybody else. She's in this seat, and she doesn't know what what to think of, what to make of okay, this, just, right? Okay, just tell me. Are you going to tell me how she survives? I need to... It doesn't gonna, say how she survived. It's so a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. She falls 10,000 feet out of a plane, strapped into a seat, and she survives. Yes. With no parachute. With no parachute. She wasn't wearing a parachute. It was a commercial flight. She <laughs> is... A, it's a miracle. Wow, I am absolute. I'm gonna have to. I cannot wait to look this story up. I cannot believe I had never heard of this story. This is insane. This is real. Maybe this is literally it's so a travel miracle. But okay, continue. It I is not, a travel miracle. I'll try not to interrupt you. Let's let's all get through this together. Okay, so she has survived 
this fall. It is incredible, right? The problem is she's now in the middle of the jungle and there's no one around her. So would that's a problem. Would you? I feel like you'd just be like, embrace it. In the middle of the Amazon? Okay, so, yeah, I'm sure she was like, thank God I'm alive. But she knows the Amazon. So she knows there's a lot of shit out there that can get her because her parents are rainforest researchers. But maybe she also knows how to survive in the Amazon. Mm, Maybe. We'll have to listen to the rest of the story, won't we? Obviously she survives because she told the story. Mm, Yes. Okay. Spoiler (laughs) alert. So she she starts to take note of her injuries. You know, she's not unscratched. Like, you know, she she, does, she fell two miles. Her left eye is swollen shut. Her right eye is so swollen, she can only see through a sliver. Her glasses are gone. Well, that's why she couldn't see. Her collarbone is broken. Ooh. She says it's her right collarbone, but I didn't know if that was a thing. Like, right and left collarbone? Yeah. Is it, it? Yeah, one side or the other. Oh, I thought it was just like, it was one bone. Yeah, one collar. <laughs> I, yeah. But I guess not, because when you have a dress shirt, it's like one right collar, left collar. Yeah, there are uh, two collarbones. Okay. I was going to look that up, but I thought it would be more fun if I just asked you and we make unfounded assumptions. Yeah, because this is we're a me- medical, expert- we're medical experts. experts now, yeah. Yeah. She also has a... Clavicle, I believe it's called. A cl- the clavicle. Okay. I also don't have Wi-Fi right now, so I can't confirm it, but I think it's called the clavicle. Could be. Hmm. She also has a deep gash on her left calf. Now, some, okay, I read some conflicting reports. One thing said, like, she has a deep gash on her right arm. This was left calf. It's like, you know, it was the 50s. Things get passed down. and She's got a gash either way. It's, there's a gash, and a not deep in gash. A way. Oh, God. Why would you say that? I don't know. And we don't even say that word in America. In so. Australia, we do. Okay, just don't worry about that, guys. Keep. Focus on me. I'm telling the story. Who's telling the story? You're telling the story. Okay, thank you. So she has a deep gash on her left calf. So that's the bad news. The good news is she spent a ton of time living in the jungle with her parents as a child. So she knows her way around. Which is like, who knows their way around the Amazon jungle? Uh, Not me. Nobody. Barely anybody. So she's pretty lucky she has that. If anybody was to survive, it seems like she's the one person. Or probably her parents, but... She is the chosen one. She is the chosen one, Neil. So she's looking around. She doesn't see any sign of the wreckage. No people. No, like, any part of the plane. Nothing. But she does find a bag of candy. So she grabs that. (laughs) She seems like the luckiest person in the world. I mean, she... uh, Just keep listening to the story. So she can hear the hum of airplanes above, like rescuers, but the forest is so dense, there's no way that they'll be able to see her. So she's like, I need to move. Her father had once told her some survival advice, which is, if you see water, follow it downstream, because that's where civilization is. So that's a good little tip, guys. Listen up. If you see water, follow it downstream. So she follows a rivulet. I don't know what that is. I think it's a tiny river, but it's this adorable word. Rivulet. Well, rivulet. And Julianne it, follows the rivulet. A rivulet. And it starts to turn into a stream, so she walks downstream, just like her dad told her. Good on you. Thank you, Daddy. Unfortunately, she doesn't have any knives or tools or any way to really get food. So basically, it's an episode of Naked and Afraid, but instead of tools, she has her clothes. And she also has a bag of candy. 
And she has a bag of candy, so that's good. Unfortunately, it's a rainy season, so there's not a lot of fruit to pick. But And she does know there's a lot of poisonous stuff in the jungle, so she doesn't touch what she doesn't recognize. Which very I think smart. is a good strategy. It's don't touch smart. what you don't recognize. Hmm. Just in life, I think that's good advice. I don't know what this is. Let me eat it first. Exactly. But she can drink from the stream, so that's good. On the fifth or sixth day of walking, she, keep, she kept track of the of first four days, but then she kind of lost track between the fifth or the sixth. I think her watch broke. She hears a buzzing which she recognizes as a hoatzin, which is a bird that nests near open stretches of water. So she's like, okay, I must be close to people. So she's like keeping up this momentum, like, I can do this. Damn, she knows what's going on. She's really impressive. So eventually the side of the riverbank is too densely overgrown to walk on it, and she knows that stingrays rest in the riverbanks. So she decides to swim in the middle of the river because she knows the stingrays won't go where it's really deep. So she's swimming in the river now. She's got her eye out for piranhas and caimans. She could have speared a stingray and ate it. With what? Oh, how would she make the spear, though? Just with a just with a branch? A sharp branch? Yeah. Could be, yeah. I mean, she could have caught piranhas maybe as well, because we did that when we were on Amazon. We did have a hook, though. We did have a hook. We had a fishing line and a hook. She doesn't we have anything. She ha- She's wearing, like, a little summer dress. She's not prepared for this outing. She's basically a badass. She's swimming in the middle of the river. She's got her eyes out for piranhas, caimans, stingrays. She's just such a badass. So she spends... Seriously, she's killing it. She is incredible. This is, I think this is one of the most incredible things ever. She spends her night in protected areas of the bank. Sometimes it rains, and she just has a thin summer dress on. So she's freezing and alone, cowering under a tree or a bush when she's sleeping, which is, like, so... Just you would just feel so alone, don't you think you would just feel like giving up? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so eventually she runs out of candy to eat, which is unfortunate. And remember, what I sort said, of candy? Uh, it didn't say. Okay, remember the gash that may have been in her arm or leg, or in another's place? Yes. Uh, her her deep cut. I'm going to say she had a deep she cut. She had a deep cut in her arm or leg. We're not sure which one. Okay, if you're squeamish, you may want to do earmuffs. I'm doing a warning out there right now for anybody who's really squeamish. So she feels something moving in her wound. Ugh, okay, that's now I'm making a real I'm noise. saying earmuffs if you got to do earmuffs. Well, I have to listen to the story. She looks, and a fly had laid eggs in her cut, okay. and it was full of maggots. That's disgusting. That's disgusting, right? Ugh, yeah. Okay. So at one point, she does discover some wreckage from the plane. So this thing must have been, this is like day seven or something. So this thing must have just completely gotten torn apart and landed in different areas. She sees a row of seats with three deceased passengers still strapped in their seats. Oh, they did not have the same luck as Julianne. They did not. So she walked for five days and then she saw wreckage. Yes. Damn. So it must have spread like hellfire. Yeah, exactly. She So she wants to make sure it's not her mom. So this is kind of gruesome, but basically she doesn't want to touch them. So she sees this woman who she thinks could be her mom. But I guess if it was in the seats, that wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, if you were strapped in next to your mom and your mom wasn't there. Right. This part of the story doesn't make sense because it, it was on her her mom was sitting in her block of seats, which landed with her. Yeah, that's right. 
But it says in the story that instead of touching the person she thought could be her mom, she knocked a shoe off of one of the bodies and saw that it had toenail polish on it. And her mom never painted her toes. So that's how she figured it wasn't her mom. That, that could be fake. A very descript way. Yeah, that seems very interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's just what I have from Makes the for research. a good story, though. Yes. Well, she wrote a, mem- a memoir, so we could read the memoir and and confirm. Okay. So she's swimming. She's still swimming. One morning, she feels a sharp pain on her back. She touches it, and she sees she has blood on her hands. So while she was swimming, the sun had burnt her skin, and it was bleeding. Later, so she blistered from sunburn. Later, she learned they were second-degree burns. Oh, God. Yeah. So this girl is a freaking just a survivor times a million. Like, she's just not letting anything stop her. Seriously. Okay. On day 10 of surviving in this jungle alone day 10. on candy, she's wading in the water, and she decides to take a nap on a gravel bank. She closes her eyes for a few minutes, and when she opens them, she sees a boat. Oh, I thought you were going to say a crocodile. No. So she thinks she's hallucinating, so she goes over to touch it, and it's actually there. It's a real, real-life boat. So she sees a trail up the hill from the river and assumes that people must be up there, like the boat owner or whatever. So it, she's super weak, to, so it takes her hours to get to the top. She finds a small shell. I said a small shell. A small shelter. I said she finds a small shell. She finds a small shell and, and she crawls says, inside because she's a little lady now. No, she finds a small shelter and she spends two days inside the shelter. Hopefully somebody's going to come back for the boat, right? Why wouldn't she take the boat? I, I think she's just is hoping that somebody's going to rescue her. At this point, she's com- it barely walks. She's just completely... Yeah, don't walk. Get in the boat. Yeah. Cruise. That's true. Oh, no. Actually, I think one of the articles said that she didn't want to steal the boat because she felt bad. Oh, that that's complete bullshit. Who I'm knows? calling bullshit on that. Maybe she was very, very, very moral. No. I think she figured somebody was going to come for the boat. Take that, would that be boat easier. and bail. Yeah, ride that boat, girl. Dude, just seriously. Row, 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 ten days, row your boat. Ten days in the Amazon after surviving, falling 10,000 feet out of a plane, and you look at a boat and you're like, nah, no chance. I'd take that boat. Yeah. Yeah, you take the boat, girl. But she doesn't need to take the boat because finally on January 3rd, 1972, after 11 days surviving in the Amazon, she is discovered by three Peruvian missionaries. Lucky day. What did she say? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they rescue her, and thank goodness. And at first they think she's some sort of like water nymph goddess. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but some sort of mythical creature. But then she's like, no, I'm from this launch of flight. Like, please help me. <laughs> it's a mermaid. No, seriously. I just give no, me some I'm, fucking food now. Please. I need help. So they rescue her. She's treated for her injuries. They end up finding more than 50 maggots in her wounds. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. After being treated for her wounds, she's reunited with her father, and she also helps authorities locate the plane, and over the course of a few days, they were able to find and identify the dead bodies of the 91 people aboard. Wow, damn. Yeah. So, 91 people. Yes. 91 people passed away on the flight, and Julianne Koepke was the only survivor. Dude, she 
is a miracle child. Yeah, she is Survivor. Like, they can just cancel that show that right is, now because she is the ultimate Survivor. Oh, my God. Okay, you're going to link to this in the website notes? I will link to I, – I, I took this from a couple articles – um, and I will link it in the show notes. Because- com for the show notes. I will be heading straight there. Well, I'm not going to publish the notes, but I'm going to be heading straight to the Googs to check this story out because it is crazy. Yes, it is banana. So I got this information from a CNN article uh, by Frederick Pletgen. He was very helpful. Thank you. And a from a Reader's Digest by Catherine McDonald. So those were extremely helpful. Freddie thank you. Freddie and Kat, thank you. Thank you, guys. So she ends up becoming famous after this, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Be- like, you're, if you're the lone survivor of this huge crash, like, it just became spread like wildfire. So she kept, she was receiving letters. She said even letters that were just addressed Julianne Peru somehow still made it to her. So she eventually goes on to study biology in Germany, gets her doctorate degree, goes back to Peru to do research in mammalogy. Mammalogy? Mam- mammalogy? Mammal. Mam- mammograms. <laughs> I wrote mammalogy. Mam- 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 man- manology. <laughs> She's studying man. Okay. What's a mammogram again? <laughs> it's where they check out your boobs to so oh, make sure yeah. you don't have breast cancer. Okay. Okay, so I mean, she's studying. She's she doing got mammal, her doctorate. She's doing mammal mammalology. She's yeah, checking out animals' she's doing breasts. Mammograms on animals. Okay, in 1998, she returns to the site of the crash for the documentary Wings of Hope, which is about her story. And she's was on the flight with director Werner Herzog, and she sat in the same seat, 19F. And she said it was a therapeutic experience to sit in the same seat. Whoa. And she said there's one question that will always haunt her. Why was she the only survivor? One question will always haunt me. How did she survive? I don't know. You can go online and read theories about the physics of it. But, you know, I didn't want to get too deep into that. Um, I don't know. I don't. You know I don't read physics. (laughs) You're a headline person. I'm a headline person. I don't read the whole article. I did for this. Is that a crazy-ass story? That is insane. I can't believe I had never heard of that before. That's probably the craziest story about a plane crash we've heard. I mean, we did have the Alive story, which I think was back in... That was our New Year's Eve special. I don't know, 15... That was crazy. 14, about the people who stayed out there for 70 days which was insane. Uh, you should go back and listen to that podcast episode because it was wild. But that is a single most... I mean, their plane crashed not too bad. Like, you know, they landed on a slope and, you know, the plane crash was bad. I mean, a lot of people still died. But a lot of people survived the crash. But this one is crazy. Yeah, I just think it's such a cool story of this 17-year-old badass who was like, I'm not giving up. Like, I'm just going to keep going. And it wasn't even like, I'm going to sit here and wait for rescuers to find me. It was like, I'm going to go and rescue myself because I know they're not going to be able to find me. Yeah. When you were telling me about the wound that she had that had some certain flies in it, that very disgusting part, Uh it made me think of a story. This goes back to 2010 uh, when I was in Peru. And I was at a place called a little place called Pisco, where I met Christine. You might have heard about it, Aww. and in, that was in 2012. But this was back in 2010 when I was there, and there was a traveller who had just been in the Amazon, and they had been bitten by a bot fly. A bot fly bites you, but it also lays its eggs in you, 
and he didn't know, and he had these bites all over his body, and one of them was on his back, and it was kind of like a bite, pimply, had a little bit of a red top on it, and it was a bit thing, and he squeezed it, and a little, like, larvae type thing. A maggot. A maggot. Well, no, it was like a larvae, uh, or a maggot, yeah, uh, popped out of the little thing. Is oh, that, oh my god, that that's is so disgusting. So disgusting. We won't tell disgusting things like that unless you like it, but yeah. It just remind me of that story because I wonder if it was the same fly that bit her. Well, this one I just I I'll never forget he was in the bathroom and he was like, What the fuck? And he came out and he I looked at his back and I saw this little thing and I could see just the tip of it moving like on his back and he freaked out. Yeah. Like you naturally. Would. Uh, and he went to the doctors and they inject and then he had all these other little bumps and, and bites on his body and they just they just put a needle into it basically inject something that I guess just liquefies whatever could be in there if there's larvae or things like that. But is that not insane? That is insane. Oh, the Amazon dude. Uh Peru. Don't go to Peru unless you want to fly to No, that's not true. Go no, to I'm Peru. Kidding. Peru is amazing. Peru is amazing. The Amazon is amazing. You should definitely go there. We have some crazy Amazon stories that we'll get around to telling at some stage, but they are very wild. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we love Peru and we love the Amazon. Yes, we but do. Damn. Julianne, you are the solo hero. You go, girl. Wow. You're incredible. Great story. Loved it. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, I feel, I you know, now I actually don't feel that bad about the start of our day. We were complaining about... You know, broken windscreen wipers and having to go on this hike. I mean, you know, it's tough, guys. It's perspective, you know. It's all perspective. But actually, after listening to Julianne's story, I don't feel that bad. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a good enough time to wrap up, if ever. That sounds fantastic. Yes. It is now dark. We are still in the van because, you know, we're not driving and doing the podcast. That would be very irresponsible. That would be impressive. And it's 6.20 and we have to edit this. We have to get it live because we want you to listen to our stories because we love you. Yes, we do. Yeah. And some of you we know and we love you for real. And some of you we don't know. But I feel like if we met you, we probably would love you. And if you like this podcast or any of our other episodes, please review our podcast. It would really mean a lot to us to have your review. Yeah, that's it. That's all we want. We don't even we don't want you to do anything else but review the podcast. So please go do that right now and then shoot us a message and we'll send you some love. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. I think it's time to peace out because my feet are getting frozen. I need to get out of these wet clothes and I need to eat something. And, you know, you're probably sick of listening to us. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. If not, just go back and listen to an old episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, we're out of here. Next time we speak to you, we will be still in Canada. We'll be in Alberta, in Edmonton, with more crazy adventures. No doubt, no doubt. So for now, we're going to peace. And remember, stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye-bye-bye-bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bitches.